I'm Chip Bach, and welcome to Blue Rock. On each episode, we'll discuss what life is like on this big blue rock, where we are all headed, separately and together, what changes we need to make to ourselves, the planet, and towards each other, and just discuss what daily life is like for your fellow crew. And maybe, just maybe, we may also see a commonality that connects all of us. All right, welcome to another episode of Blue Rock. On today's episode, we're going to talk about a not-so-little something, otherwise known as the ego. Now, the pure definition of ego is a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. Self-importance in that, by the way, is a huge takeaway. We're going to cover more of that later in the episode. It's also known as the self, especially as contrasted with another self or the world. To have an ego is essential to our very makeup. It defines who we are and how we connect with others. However, ego becomes an issue when it becomes overpowering. Osho says, love is happy when it is able to give something. The ego is happy when it is able to take something. From a traditional point of view of psychoanalysis, Ego is that part of the psyche which expresses the external world or reality through the senses, organizes thought processes rationally, and governs action. It mediates between the impulses of the id, which the id strives for immediate gratification, and the demands of the environment and the standards of the superego. The superego is a person's moral standards or conscious. Think of it more as a person's Jiminy Cricket, so to speak. In Freudian psychology, ego is the most central part of the mind, which in turn mediates one's surroundings. Ego is defined as the view that a person has of oneself. An example of ego is the way that you look at yourself, or in thinking you are the smartest person on earth. You know who you are. (laughs) Again, according to Sigmund Freud, the ego is part of the personality that mediates the demands of the id, the superego, and reality. Freud said the id is the personality component made up of the unconscious psychic energy that works to satisfy basic urges, needs, and desires. The id is the most basic part of personality that urges people to fulfill their most primal needs. The superego, on the other hand, is the moralistic part of personality that forms later in childhood as a result of upbringing and social influences. Freud believed it is the ego's job to strike a balance between these two competing forces and to make sure that fulfilling the needs of the id and the superego conforms to the demands of reality. Freud liked to say, where id was, their ego shall be. Sigmund was deep, bro. (laughs) See, Freud believed the ego operates in both the preconscious and the conscious, And its strong ties with the id meant that it also operates in the unconscious. Based on this, the ego operates based on the reality principle, which works to satisfy the id's desires to be realistic and socially appropriate. According to Freud, for example, if someone cuts you off in traffic, the ego prevents you from chasing down the car and physically attacking the driver. 
The ego allows us to see that this response would be socially unacceptable, but it also allows us to know that there are other more appropriate means of venting our frustration. So now you see why I talked about Freud first in regards to this episode on ego, because I disagree with this opinion. See, it feels more likely that a person's id would be upset by getting cut off by the car and tell the ego, hey, do they know who we are? F them. Let's go get them, bro. And then chase the car down, classic road rage, or as I like to call it, leading with ego. In his 1933 book, New Introductory Lectures on Psychoanalysis, and yes, if you can't tell by that title, it is quite the page turner. (laughs) Freud compared the relationship between the id and the ego to that of a horse and rider. The horse represents the id, a powerful force that provides the energy for forward motion. The rider represents the ego, or the guiding force that directs the power of the id toward a goal. Interestingly, though, Freud noted that this relationship did not always go as planned. Hmm, imagine that. In less ideal situations, a rider may find themselves simply along for the ride as they allow their horse to go in the direction the animal wants to go. Again, this is where I feel everyone on the planet is reacting from more commonly. Our ids are taking our egos for a ride. Eckhart Tolle author of The Power of Now, said this, The most common ego identifications have to do with possessions, the work you do, social status and recognition, knowledge and education, physical appearance, special abilities, relationships, personal and family history, belief systems, and often also political, nationalistic, racial, religious, and other collective identifications. None of these are you. I'm going to say that again for those in the balcony. None of those are you. So was Freud wrong in some ways about the ego? When ego creates self-confidence, it works to serve us well, potentially creating opportunities to live in our zone of genius, as defined by Gay Hendricks in The Big Leap, for example. However, you will find the ego is blocking most of us on this big blue rock from growing learning, ultimately from bringing humanity together. Ego is really just creating more division right now. According to Deepak Chopra, the ego relies on the familiar. It is reluctant to experience the unknown, which is the very essence of life. The ego in biological terms resides in two locations, the limbic and the reptilian brain. By the way, we discussed this in episode five with Todd Zog. The limbic brain processes emotional responses. The reptilian brain processes instinctual responses. The ego is reptilian. So what triggers the reptilian brain? The reptilian brain can be triggered by the prospect of gaining or losing money, power, or social status. Recognize if this is happening around you right now or anywhere on this blue rock. These triggers are interconnected because money is often used to gain power and social status, and power is also used to obtain social status. According to Ryan Holiday, author of Ego is the Enemy, this is what ego does. It crosses out what matters and replaces it 
with what doesn't. Long ago, we mostly developed our individual consciousness via the collective consciousness of the tribe. The tribe determined one's place, identity, and belonging in most cases. In many pre-modern cultures, there was no concept of an individual self separate from the tribe. And in some of the indigenous languages, the word I didn't even exist. Our identity formed at the group level as an interdependent network of relationships that included the natural world as family. Our sense of belonging and purpose was thus deeply embedded within this collective context from where our sense of self emerged as an integral part of nature's living systems and the larger universe. Mahatma Gandhi summarized it like this. When the ego dies, the soul awakens. Aboriginal elder, Uncle Bob Randall, expresses this beautifully. He describes the tribal consciousness of nature as family and ourness as compared to modern civilization's concepts of ownership, separation, compartmentalization, and mindness. To quote Bob Randall, The land grows all of us up. It really does. The land owns us. It's the ancient one, not us. We're the children who come and go, take what we need for a short time, and then pass to our children. The ourness stretches from horizon to horizon. The clouds are the ceiling at daytime and the stars at night. To that size of you and what you're responsible for, to shrink down to this little box of my house, my car, it's so small in comparison to what's ours. And you're part of that ourness, and you feel that, you feel that so well. You feel good when you're in that space. Feel like you're living with family. When you include everything that's alive in that space, then you grow up knowing believing, and accepting that these are all your family. You can never feel alone in that situation. Something else I think we're getting lost in right now on this big blue rock is hubris. Hubris is an extreme manifestation of ego and is usually displayed as what I call hyperconfidence or arrogance, signifying to others that you know best. It's only hubris if I fail. Julius Caesar. Hubris is the characteristic of excess confidence or arrogance, which leads a person to believe they may do no wrong. The overwhelming pride caused by hubris is often considered a flaw in a person's character. This excess of confidence and arrogance in oneself often leads to a lack of self-awareness and harmful or self-defeating behaviors. Hubris is often found in very successful individuals due to the nature of their positions. Based on the ancient Greek meaning, hubris is always seen as negative. It refers to too much pride or arrogance and does not refer to simple self-confidence or ambition, traits which can be neutral or in some cases even positive. When it appears alongside the contempt for the advice and criticism of others, Hubris causes leaders to significantly overreach themselves, making risky and reckless decisions with harmful, sometimes catastrophic consequences for themselves, their organizations, institutions, and even for society. Imagine that. For example, since hubris involves overconfidence in one's knowledge and abilities, it can lead people to overestimate their ability to achieve positive outcomes in various domains which then in turn causes them to take unnecessary risks. Hmm. 
Hubris can even lead people to overestimate the validity and reliability of their institutions and consequently to over-rely on those institutions while avoiding proper reasoning, especially if it involves discussions with others. Eckhart Tolle also said this, All you need to know and observe in yourself is this. Whenever you feel superior or inferior to anyone, that's the ego in you. Mike Maples Jr. says, Ego is about who's right. Truth is about what's right. So, do we continue to lead with ego on this big blue rock? Is it time for ego to die in order to bring this planet together? I ask that we all take a closer look at our own egos and determine how they are serving us or are we serving it? Next time you react with anger towards a stranger, your neighbor, a friend, a family member, your spouse, try and pause to see what's causing your reaction. Is it warranted? Is it justified? Or is it just your ego stepping up to say, do you know who I am? T.S. Eliot said, Half of the harm that is done in this world is due to people who want to feel important. They don't mean to do harm, but the harm does not interest them. One last quote to leave you with from one of my favorite humans on this great blue rock. We are all one. Only ego, beliefs, and fears separate us. Nikola Tesla. Find peace, lead with love, and live. Loire.